Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 75 of the Butters Podcast. This is my conversation with Rebecca Lorison. This conversation is made possible thanks to the generous support of my amazing patrons. And if you too would like to support this podcast as a patron, you can do so by jumping onto patreon.com forward slash butters. But for now, thank you again for tuning into episode 75 of the Butters Podcast, my conversation with Rebecca Lorison. Enjoy. any leg day I feel like I just I easily disassociate because I'm just like in this kind of like a state of I, I can't even like I don't know I don't even know what you call it but I only get it on leg day like euphoria or something like that where literally between sets I'm not there I'm literally really? yeah 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 because it's so it's such a heavy it's such a heavy weight I'm just like yeah I the only way I can describe it is like like disassociation <laughs> but yeah I'm like disassociate momentarily from reality um, but yeah no in a good like way or in a weird way no that in a good way because okay. you have to literally recollect my energy <laughs> to even do the second set um, but it's good like you know you like wobble down the stairs because you're just like ah, ah yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah 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 um, yeah jiggly then, legs after yeah. good and squats then I had an up and go after that just to get my protein in there's such a huge I don't know if you've noticed this before but there's a huge disdain for up and go is there really? well yeah every time I've had one in public or even like my manager once said to me like what are you drinking and I'm like it's an up and go and they're like oh it's so sugary and like bad I'm like it's a five star health rating what are you on about but yeah no I had an up and go for the gains for the protein but surely despite the five star health rating you could just kind of point to yourself and be like well clearly well, clearly, clearly the up and goes yeah, are working yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I just know needed I mean? a protein boost yeah but yeah no I'm quite sore I'm sore so when so when would you normally work out in a day morning or during the day or like are you a person who's like first thing in the morning start the day or are you a person who's like no I I kind of um, put energy into the body throughout the day and then like mid-afternoon is when I do it or are you like late at night? The way that I work out, recently I, I met a, a really awesome chick, her name's Jenny and she dragged my ass to six, can we swear on this or not? Yeah, okay. <laughs> She dragged my butt all the way uh, no, to... No, you can swear. <laughs> she dragged my ass yeah. to uh, to the gym at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That is, that's, I, I used to do um, CrossFit at, at, oh, at uni. Oh, well, yeah. So that would be 7 a.m. So the earliest I usually wake up is 5 a.m. Because I take a really long time to wake up in the morning. Like I want to wake up, I want to have my coffee, I want to go to like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Some uh, you time. A little just, bit of me yeah, time. into the day. Because I don't naturally have this energy from the get-go, you know. It takes a little It takes a little while for me to like charge up to that point. <laughs> I and think then, that's common of most people, yeah. Although some people should just wake up. My partner, oh my gosh, every time I wake up, he's like, how do you have so much energy? And I'm like, bro, I hit a piece 
peak at like two o'clock and it's downhill from there. <laughs> like I peak and then I go down. Um, but yeah, she and I have been training at six six thirty every morning. Um, and she's really a lower body kind of gal. She loves to do glutes and leg day, yeah. whereas I'm more of an upper body. Um, kind of like person and especially like since I joined Les Mills because I used to be at the uni gym and since I'm my partner he has been feeding me so much good food like I've seen such a huge growth for myself like just nourishing to flourish yourself like it's it's crazy because like I used to I guess yeah working out and being active has always been really important for me but I didn't know how to feed myself properly so you mean feed yourself in terms of food yeah yeah food. yeah and actually like because I used to I used to you know do crossfit yoga pilates boxing you name it um, and I got really really like fit but I wasn't gaining any muscle or anything I was just burning a lot of energy and calories and not not taking them back like through food so yeah as soon as I met my partner and he's a huge foodie and he's Asian so you know he's like shin ramen all that kind of like yeah. really really good yeah. carby kind of food I just saw a huge growth like physically I had a better relationship with food because I had an eating disorder a few years ago in my first year of uni um, and it's been amazing because like I look healthier I feel better about myself um, and I've always been really like quite petite so like even when people say like oh you're still really skinny it's like yeah but I'm so strong I'm much stronger now so yeah so I'm just gonna check this story for so oh man so many questions I know that's a lot that was like no no no, no, no that's there great you go. Yeah. Um, so eating disorder yeah yeah, so that was, that was first year uni, um, I was doing a conjoint degree, so LLB and BA, oh, yeah. and um, my partner at the time, um, he was from Germany, we were doing a long distance relationship, and we had said goodbye the first time in December, like 2017, and and that was okay. It wasn't that bad because we didn't know what we were going up against. We were just like, oh yeah, we'll see you like soon. And soon always turns into months. It turns into such a long time. And I had never felt pain like quite like when he left for the second time. Like heartbreak. Heartbreak pain, like seeing him crying at the airport, me not wanting to leave, him in that kind of state. And then I remember like just running out of the airport like high on emotion high on some sort of adrenaline that was like really like I don't know, like I wanted to get out of there and I remember going back to my my room and just crying and bawling my eyes out and like for the sake of all of my my flatmates like on the floor I remember writing like a little letter and hanging it on my door saying like hey I've just gone through something big like if you hear me unwell just pop in and say hi like come see if I'm okay yeah because I was doing really bad and then it, it got to a point where I was using I used to be a huge like runner long distance running 
I would go for a 5k run every day. Wow. Every really? day without failure. I used to go after my lectures. I would get to my, my hole. I would go for a run. And I would just really not eat a lot either every day. And it got to a point where I almost felt good about it because at that point I didn't realize it was an eating disorder. So I was getting tiny and tiny and tiny. My face was like hollowing in. And um, people were people were commenting like, wow, you're getting really thin. And at one point, I remember thinking like, oh, they're just exaggerating, right? It's just because I've always been really thin. But I, I look back at photos, and from the first day of uni to the last day of uni, the difference is night and day. It's actually really? shocking. It's shocking. I lost, you know, fresher five is like five kilos. You add on, I lost more than that. And I was already quite small. And it wasn't until my body started to, I guess, like, go into some sort of, I don't even know, like, overdrive. It was just like, hang on, hang on. You are doing something really bad to yourself. I was getting really bloated. Everything I was eating was just not working for me. And I went to the doctor, and I thought I had, like, some sort of gastritis or IBS. Um, so I cut gluten. I cut gluten, and I cut dairy. And for a little while, it encouraged me to actually make my own meals because my, my family, they're Belgian and they're uh -huh. very, yeah, I'm Belgian. Um, they're very like into their pasta. Uh, yeah, lots of like flowery like breads and everything. Luckily for me, I don't really eat bread. So that wasn't too bad for me, but like pasta, gluten-free pasta is shit. I'm sorry to anyone who's celiac, my thoughts and condolences. <laughs> like, it's terrible. Um, and I was strictly gluten-free for at least Oh my gosh, a year, almost two, a year and a half, two years, strictly gluten-free, didn't have gluten. I got into whole foods like quinoa, um, like, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing complex, no complex carbs. And it was good for a while because I knew like I could at least, because I was living by myself at the time too, after I moved out. It was good for me because I at least knew like, okay, I can prepare my own meals. Um, although the portion sizes again were very small. And um, fast forward to meeting my partner. He, as I said, he's Asian. He's like noodles every day. And yeah. I remember when I met him and he, He's, I told him I'm gluten free. It was almost a deal breaker. <laughs> Wait, for him or for you? For him. Oh, for him. Because yeah. he was just like, if I can't like go on dates or go to, I don't know, Satay cook Palace or, yeah, or cook, cook me, cook meal. me, cook yeah, me yeah, a yeah. meal, yeah. Uh, it's not gonna work out. <laughs> so literally by endearment and force, I had to eat gluten again. And yes, my stomach, the first time I went to Yamcha, have you had Yamcha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time I went to Yamcha, it was at Majestic. It's a little oh, bit yeah, less. I, Majestic. I think Dragons is better. Dragons is awesome. Majestic is great though. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was almost keeling over in pain because my stomach couldn't take that. I was just like, how do people eat this in the morning? You're looking at like dim sum, uh, you know, like very, very high calorie, carbon, carb laden foods yep. in the morning. And I remember being like, oh my god, I'm never doing that again. Um, I eat Yum Cha now, like almost every Sunday we go. Wow. And it's amazing because like he really, he was kind of 
of like, this is bullshit. You, you're not really gluten-free. I remember him saying like, you're not really gluten-free. And it really can be a mind over matter thing because as soon as I started incorporating more gluten into my diet, I felt like, okay, at first, your body goes into this kind of shock because it's just like, oh shit, something that I haven't had to process in a long time. And then it's, it starts to get better and better each time up to the point where I am eating pasta. I'm eating br bread is not great for me still. I think it's the different kind of yeast they use. Um, okay, okay. And so pasta now, versus bread is like oh, pasta quite is different. superior. Like it, it goes better. Yeah. yeah, noodles as well. I can eat all yeah. kinds of noodles, uh -huh. um, but bread is still where I draw the line because it makes me feel really I don't know, like really drowsy. It's very heavy in comparison. Um, so yeah, and even now, like, there are moments where I really have to remind myself, like, if I'm going during the day, like, make sure to eat, make sure to have a big lunch, because, like, I usually don't do breakfast. I do coffee for breakfast. Um, nice. <laughs> I, think, I think most it's of my LinkedIn well <laughs> do coffee yeah. for breakfast. Breakfast, um, lunch, and dinner, yeah, yeah. And then I do, I usually try and see that I've got lots of protein for my lunch. Um, so I have a big lunch, and then I usually gym after. Or at least two or three hours after. Hours after. after, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I can't go on a full stomach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have a, uh, I guess like a medium-sized dinner. Like we'll eat a lot of steak. We eat a lot of red meat. Um, steak and noodles is our thing. Even like packet noodles, it doesn't matter. Um, we'll do roast chicken. Um, we do eat out a lot, so you know. But the thing is, at these times when you have to go to the supermarket, you're basically spending as much money, if not more buying your yeah. produce then going out to eat totally it's actually popped up before the idea of the cost of your time to go out to a supermarket versus now the cost of like groceries at the supermarket versus the cost of your time with Uber Eats or what have you. It's actually quite, yeah. It's so much more accessible and also, yeah, I remember my parents when we moved here 12 years ago now, we used to do like a $400 shop at at New World and you get 40 cents off a liter. That was like a promotion they were running and you literally had two full uh, trolleys. Two yeah. full trolleys and I'm talking about filled to the brim. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm looking at $60 worth of things. It's maybe like eight things and I'm like, I'm, how are students even supposed to like, you know, pay rent, have groceries every week kind of thing. Like I was really lucky because during my entire undergrad, my parents supported me financially. I have no student loan. Oh wow, um, very lucky. Awesome parents. Very, very lucky. Oh yeah. Oh, Shout my out God. to your folks. My, my mom and my dad, wow. they are honestly, because I'm adopted as well. Oh, like, really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. I know, it's like a whole next. This is why we are here having this conversation. Um, my mom and my dad, they are honestly a godsend. Like they always say, like, you know, you are our 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 golden child, but I'm just like if you hadn't adopted me, there's I, I literally don't even sit here right now today talking to you. It's crazy. Okay, can you tell me about this please? Sure. So um you, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was one and a half. I was one and a half years old when I was adopted. I'm from India. Uh, I was born there. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm fully Indian. 
Um, and my mom and my dad, they went through four years, I have a photo, they went through four years um, to get me. That's how long the adoption process takes. And we're talking back in like 19, 1999, 2000. Um, and they, they went through a lot of like psychological testing they had to go to support groups they really they really did a lot to try and in order to qualify to, to adopt to qualify you. to adopt me yeah 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 um oh i know i know <laughs> i must have been two and a half there um and around maybe three or four back there what was this 2003 yeah four years old can i can i take photos of these about to put up yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, go for wow. it wow okay yeah um and we lived in Belgium. I went to school when I was two and a half. They, they start school really early there. Um, and I learned uh, Flemish. What? So I speak Flemish. Wow. Dutch. Dutch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we moved to South Africa after that. So I lived in South Africa for eight years. I know. Why South Africa? The Why? weather. It's just hot. It's this literally. Really? My father was just like, it's hot. Let's go. Because Belgian weather, it's it's so gross. It's rainy. It's dreary. Um, but can I? Why were you put up for adoption? Do you know? I don't know my biological mother. The only thing I know about her is that she was quite tall. Um, and that kind of almost makes sense because I think I'm like average to maybe like even on the taller end of the spectrum. Um, I'm wearing heels right now, but like I am quite, I'm, I'm a lot taller than a lot of girls that I know. Um, and I think she just couldn't, she couldn't, she didn't have the funds to take care of me. She was quite poor. She was just very young. Um, and yeah, she was actually really, if you think about it, I really have to thank her as well to be smart enough to give me up for adoption because, you know, I could have easily just been on the streets. I really could have. It's just by pure chance and her in, in, intuition to want to have a better life for me. So I was given up for adoption. Um, and I luckily had an amazing, um, they call them sisters because they were part, part of like the Catholic, Catholic church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she took really good care of me. She, uh, I remember, I don't remember, I've been told, and a lot of this recollection is from people who tell me about my, my past. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was yeah. just far too young yeah, to, yeah. to remember. Yeah, of course. Um, because I didn't get a lot of the like basic nutrients, like even I wasn't breastfed, um, infant formula is quite scarce, you know. Uh, you literally have like rice, porridge, whatever the orphanage can provide. Um, my legs were a little bit bent because of the, I was not mal, I wasn't like suffering from malnutrition, but definitely not receiving all the vitamins that I needed as a growing baby. So my legs were a little bit bent. Uh -huh. And the interesting, interesting thing and why I bring it up is because my parents were actually second in line to adopt me. There was a couple before them. And when they met me, they didn't want me. Because you were bow-legged? Yeah, I really? was bow-legged, yeah. They didn't want me, they said, nah, we don't want her. And they contacted my parents, telling them that this couple, they, they, they didn't want to, to adopt me, and they said, would you still like to proceed? My parents, at, at this point, after four years, they're like, of course, why would we not? And they took me to a doctor, and the doctor said that eventually my legs would straighten out, given that I had the right nutrients um, and supplements. 
and a little bit of physiotherapy. Um, so my parents straight away, you know, were able to aid with that and yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I could have, in a parallel universe, I also again wouldn't yeah, be yeah. here. Yeah, um, <laughs> That's buzzy to think it's about. It's really buzzy. The thing is though, I've only recently like come to a point in my life where with my current relationship and it can be as amazing as you want it to be but I feel like there are parts of me that has this fear of abandonment because of how I was how I was like not wanted by people like first from my biological mother that's understandable to an extent but then other people that just didn't want me purely because of the way that I looked and then being so lucky to fall in the hands of my parents who you know they've given me a, a life that you know only only people could dream of I've traveled so much we came to New Zealand a few times I've been to Australia Malaysia um, most of Europe because it's it's all Belgium's like quite center um, South Africa I picked up three languages along the way this like nexus of culture and everything just like I think that's the reason why people are sometimes really fascinated about my accent because it's so all over the place and they're like where is it from and I'm like I don't know I don't <laughs> everywhere. know from it's from everywhere, everywhere. you and have one of the global languages mm. well no global accents mm. and it doesn't help that my partner's Malaysian because I've just picked up all of his twangs <laughs> Like, I'll say la all the time. Like even even. Wait, what does la mean? La, la. It's like, like yeah. And he's like, like an he's like you know like oh. la. And like he's always like oh, oh. you drinking whiskey la or like oh, oh really? yeah 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 yeah. He's like okay. I don't do that la. <laughs> yeah yeah like that like that. Singaporeans use it as well. Um, oh good to know. Yeah so if you ever go to Malaysia, la just la. say la. Just say la. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is delicious, wow. by the way. Do you want me to hold it as you have a sip of yours? I can, I can. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, though. That's very All kind. Good. Um, so, yeah, that is like a snapshot. That's good. Do you want to have a try of that? Sure. It's. Woo! Punchy, punchy in the mouth. I don't really. I like whiskey. Yeah. I like Japanese whiskey. Have you had Suntory? <laughs> Have you had it or no? Oh, oh no, what is I it? I was just watching Lost in Translation yesterday, literally. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that with Bill Murray where he like where he's doing the Suntory. He's like, for relaxing times, make it Suntory times. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the film. No, I haven't. <laughs> so when you were like, do you like uh, do you like Suntory? <laughs> Oh, it's such a great film. Lost in Translation. But no, I haven't tried Centauri. I you haven't actually tried it. Or even, do you like gin? Yes. Gin and uh, tonics, not really your thing? No, gin and tonic I love, it, but it's not my go-to. Uh, Roku Gin is from the same company. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've had really, that. Really, really good. Really good. Floral, delicate. And like Boom. that hexagon Does kind it. of bottle too. Yes, or, yes. Or, yeah, I want to yeah. use it as a vase. Yeah. It's a but I hate flowers. <laughs> Wait, why do you hate flowers? Because, because they die and that just doesn't make sense to me. Because like, my mom will love to put flowers in the home and then they just attract bugs and flies uh. and then they die. And I'm like, why would I want to have something that dies in my home? <laughs> Like, 
Just leave them in nature. Everyone dies though, eventually. This is true. I literally, this is <laughs> gonna get really dark really quickly. Okay, but as a dark. kid, yeah. I, I actually remember this vividly. For some reason, I feel like I had an existential crisis at six, when I was six year old. But like, I remember like, thinking about this before I went to bed. I was just like, one day, I'm not gonna be here. And as a child, that is really, yeah. really harrowing. Like, I was crying, I was bawling my eyes out. Like, one day I'm not going to be here. The idea of like, we only have limited time in our lives and yeah. then we're going to leave or die and die, not or die, we are going to die. <laughs> if you can escape death, please, the fountain of youth. Or die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it just really like gets to me. And what, what, why, why would you have been thinking about that at the age of six? Honestly, maybe I'm really fucked up deep down, but no, I, I don't know. I really, if I knew, I'm not sure why I even thought about that. Because those are really dark thoughts to have as a kid. Um, but I, even growing up, like I was very curious. I, I was always asking really tough questions for my parents. And again, you have to realize, like my mom and my dad, they went into this whole parenting thing prepared to an extent, you know, how to take care of a child, but not always prepared for like the behavioral, like the psychological stuff that comes with an adopted child because they, for example, my sister, who we also adopted, mm. she was three and a half and the first three years of your life are the most important and she was in the orphanage for three years of her life. So, you know, she's definitely grown up a lot more different than I have. Like even mentally, yeah. she has a lot of different... The mind programming yeah, and what... It's yeah. very uh -huh. different uh -huh. to me. We, we couldn't be more different. Um, whereas I was only one and a half, so I'm still developing. I, I was able to absorb a lot of men, like my parents' mentality much quicker, especially moving overseas, uh, going to a Flemish school, um, all that kind of stuff. And I think like, because I'm also naturally very social, my parents have been very strict all my life. I didn't have a phone until I was 18. I had to email my friends. Um, that's good. I reckon that's a good. That's not bad, because eh? it <laughs> yeah. forces you to socialize. And like, if you're not there, like, meet me at 6 p.m. there. If you're not there. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. You know? Um, and it, that's why moving out of the house, coming to Wellington, um, I've had a, a bit of a, a love hate relationship with this city because at first I didn't find my footing. I found it really difficult because I've been nomadic all my life I traveled so much mm, um, my parents sense. my parents were always very eager to go on new adventures they dragged us along because as kids you don't have much of a say right so we were just like okay I guess we're moving um, and after having spent eight years in South Africa that was my childhood that was everything to me moving here the people are different yeah, um, the culture the is different kids, the landscape the, the kids like I'm really sorry but the kids here are really mean especially when I went to primary school they made fun of my accent because I used to have a really like South African accent it was really really like my trigger word is Afrikaans if I say Afrikaans there you go it's right there I would say <laughs> ya all the time oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, wow. Um, Why would they make fun of that, though? I'm not sure. Kids, Honestly, kids being kids, kids, kids being... overall are little 
gremlins. They no, they're are, little shits. They're little shits. <laughs> um, and I remember, like, as soon as I got to high school, you know, I involved myself in a lot of extracurricular stuff, um, but I was always very... Uh, stu study focused. I went to a yeah, private yeah. school in South Africa, yeah. so discipline was priority for me. I couldn't believe how they treated their their teachers here. I was like, how do you? Can you talk to teachers like that? It was terrible. Like, um, and then as I got to university, like for me, the grading systems are different. It's a lot tougher than they actually like prepare you for. So after having come out of NCEA, getting excellences all round, I remember my first year of law was so tough. I, I, and I know all the law students out there can definitely relate. It is really, really tough. It's, it's harrowing because even now they still use the Socratic method, which is pretty much like calling you out. And if you don't know the answer, you look like a freaking yeah. idiot to uh, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is, how is that a way to teach people? I guess putting them on the spot, yes, but there are different ways to do that in a much more safe environment. I used to go into lectures full of anxiety. Wow. I hated going to them. I did all my readings and still I felt unprepared. It was terrible. And so even though I passed all of my exams at the end of the year, I didn't get through to second year. It took a huge ego hit because I wanted to be a human rights lawyer. I had it in my mind. I was like, I want to be a human rights lawyer. You know, I want to help people. Um, I want to be like at the UN, um, you know, and it took a huge hit for me and I decided to pursue my BA. After I did my BA, I did my honors. And Wait, so did you finish your... I did, I did yeah. finish my BA. No, no, your LLB or... No, law. I didn't, okay, okay. no. So I decided law, law, maybe I can in, like incorporate that in a different area of my life. Even yeah. work alongside lawyers yeah. without having to do the work. Um, you know, because I, I'm, I'm an empath and I feel like listening to people's stories is much more valuable than judging them. You know, so like, right? So, and I guess another reason why I, I love being able to share my story is because I literally have come from nothing and have been able to show my parents like what their hard work and my taking of opportunities has led to and um, yeah, it's really, it's so humbling. Like, I remember when I, when I, when I graduated, I remember my parents came for graduation and it was really emotional for me because they, they stood by me. They never pushed me to study because I always did well. I was always very studious. I, I went out, like I went out to town and stuff, but I never failed a single exam. And I, I always, um, I always took it to heart because my parents, they gave up so much. They never went to uni. I'm the first person in my family to go to uni. So that was also really big. Um, and yeah, I guess conversations like these are really good for me to reflect on because now I'm at the next stage of my life where I'm in this relationship with my partner and it's like even more life work that you've got to do, right? You'll, 
you can go through uni and that teaches you a whole set of skills. Socializing, being able to communicate well, also time management. But when you come to a relationship, okay, those things apply too. You know, you have to be able to be good at communicating. You have to be able to manage your time well with your partner. Um, but it also reveals some really ugly truths about yourself because it's like, yeah, I remember I used to be, I had this like superiority complex about myself. I really thought like my way or the highway. I'm like, why are people doing it like this? Like, shouldn't you do it like this? And my partner, he literally pulled the stick out of my ass because it was so high up in there. And he humbled me so much. So this he, is what you were talking about in the messaging. You like what the way he helped you. Yes, yeah. he's literally a reflection of the progress that I've made as a person. Yeah. Um, so and that was I think a beautiful thing that you said too. It's that he would be a great person to talk to because of the way he has, that like what he has done for you or the way he has shaped you as a person in your life, which he is beautiful has, and romantic and, and that's what <laughs> relationships are about. Like that's a, yeah. It's really intimate yeah. as well because before, and, and I don't want to always put it onto like one single thing or one single person, mm. but it's, it's really like friends, for example, one of my really good friends told me friends can be there for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And I remember I had a I had a quarrel with a friend of mine a year ago and she she and I we had a bit of a I wouldn't say like a, a disagreement but something happened wherein we or I decided to just kind of step away from the friendship because I realized like I really need to work on myself I feel like I wasn't giving her the time that she needed or the energy or the I didn't have the emotional bandwidth at times but I still went to see her and she could she could tell she could sense like she's not really there you know um, and I went away for a little bit I did a lot of introspection a lot of journaling um, and if there's anything that I feel is intrinsically and really deep-seated in me it's that I like to admit my mistakes and work on them because it doesn't only make you a better person for someone else but for you first and foremost you are gonna have to live with yourself and for me like if I can be better for myself first I know I'm gonna be better for my friends for my partner I can't even like begin to tell you about the anxieties that I've had going into my relationship because my my previous relationship was very toxic and I only realized you only realize when you leave the relationship that it's toxic right um, well, I, yeah hindsight is 20 and yeah, yeah yeah and I remember I was gas I, I was gaslit a lot gaslit he was gaslighting me gaslit um, and, and 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 don't get me wrong like I I really I, I really care for him there was a lot of love there but it also made me realize like once you start to fall out of love with someone or at least when your life is going a different direction I wanted to do something for myself and make myself a priority because a lot of the relationship was him living life through me vicariously he was learning about the world through me I was caught up in my honors I was meeting incredible people I actually met my partner now at the time when I was still in a relationship and I remember feeling like 
I'm still really really young and I haven't really gone out and seen the world yet and I feel like it's not because necessarily you don't love that person but I felt like I really need to put myself first and when I broke up with my, my ex-partner it was really really like it was crazy it went into a downward spiral for him he got to a point where like you know he was getting really like explosive like you know almost like wanting to explosive at you yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. and I went through a few months where I had to deal with seeing some things I never want to see again in my life like really bad um, he was talking about you know like harming himself oh. all that kind of stuff just because he couldn't see a future without me and then it's when I really realized like shit it's a good thing that I've left this relationship behind because it was it was not good for me we were fighting a lot and you know what the most incredible thing is my relationship now we never fought once we don't shout we always try and come to everything with kindness and understanding sometimes it's hard it's fucking hard like when people say it takes a lot of work to be in a good relationship they are not it takes hard work. You are having to confront someone that you love, but also be able to put your own ego to the side. And we both watch a lot of Jordan Peterson, right? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, we went to his talk yeah. a few months did ago. Did you? Yeah, we did. It was fucking epic. It was so good. Because, like, you probably won't be able to unhear it, but he sounds a bit like Kermit the Frog sometimes. So when you hear, yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit, a little bit. And when we a heard, mild Kermit the Frog. A mild, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A Canadian criminal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when he came out on that stage, I remember I was like, I got shivers through my body. I was just like, wow, this is the person that I've listened to for like yeah, two years so now. Yeah, so prolific all over the place. Yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. It, yeah. I needed like a whole, I, I wanted to take my dictionary in there because he uses such big words. And I'm like, oh my God, this is insane, yeah. insane. Um, but my partner, you know, um, he, he had a few like, relationships before me um, some of them his first relationship was great but he had some stuff going on with his own family like his relationship with his parents are way different than mine my mom my dad my sister and I we are like this we are so tight because we are just four of us here in New Zealand no one else all of our extended family is in Belgium so Whereas for Bobby, uh, Zeking, his Chinese name is Zeking, um, his family are all in Malaysia. He does have some of his family here, um, but you know, he started his business from scratch. His parents have never been able to come here and see, you know, what he's established. Um, it wasn't up until like a few. I shouldn't probably be saying this, but like, uh, yeah, just his his journey is equally as humbling as mine is, and I think. Like the fact that we've both yeah. been able to come together. Um, there's this one thing that Jordan Peterson said, especially when you're in conflict with someone or you're you're contending with your partner, is that you know always assume you know something. Always, always assume that there's something you don't know about the other person's story. It's like giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? Being like, okay, tell me your side because clearly 
like I'm really high on my own emotion. Yeah. Maybe I've missed something. Yeah. Please tell me. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's helped a lot. That's really helped a lot because I'm quick to jump to conclusions. Like I sweeping generalizations of anything. That's what I used to be like. I used to be like, no, I only believe that this my, my part of the story is right. Yeah. Like you can say whatever you want to, but ultimately I'm gonna stick with it and be sulky about it. And there was a time where, you know, Bobby, he would literally say to me like, I can't read your mind, and you need to tell me what's going on. And he oh, he's know, a very smart man. Oh no, 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 he is. But he's gone through a lot of self work, and honestly, like when you get to talk to him, I really would love for him to talk to you about it as well. Because even for me, he's very inspirational. He is. Oh, I hope I get to talk to him for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, as yeah, you said, yeah. it's like yeah. He is. Yeah. Oh my god. He sounds like an amazing, an, an amazing guy. He's come really far. Yeah. He's had to do a lot of work on himself. How to be a man. What it is to attract people. What to do um, to build your confidence. You see him and you meet him, and you're like, wow, this guy has is, is oozing charisma, right? Yeah. But he he wasn't like that. He wasn't always like that. He really had to build himself up a lot. And every you know quote unquote failed relationship, even for me, we really had to you know be like, what is the what person? What what can I learn? Yeah. And what do I look for in a person? And how can I become that to attract that? You know. Um, so him and I. We do occasionally. We like sit down at home in our couch. We watch some Jordan Peterson, some Tony Robbins, anything to just elevate our mindset. And I know, I know, right? Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like yeah. That's so good. Um, but we do it because we have so much respect for both of. Like we just want our relationship to flourish. Um, and I haven't I haven't met someone like that ever. And yes, I'm very young. Like we we are seven years apart. Oh yeah. He's he's gonna turn he's turning 31. I'm 20 gonna turn 24. Um, yeah, I'm 24. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yet, it's like we are both just absolute noobs. We are dorks. We are goofy with one another. Um, and but, it's but your energy levels are clearly connected. Oh yeah. And that you're on the same wavelength of manifesting of that, you know, that abundant mindset. We have this kind of like notion of wanting to offer value into anything that we do. Whether that's offering value into our business, into his business, offering value to our friends, uh, offering value to our relationship in general. Because you never want to take away from someone. You always want to try and add something to something. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of our, no, I want to say mantra, but something that we like to go by and live by. Why, why wouldn't you say mantra though? You seem reluctant to... You My mantra is actually... Um, fuck. What is it? Your mantra is fuck. Okay, that's a great mantra. <laughs> but you almost seem reluctant to... It's almost like you're feeling like you're like, I know it's, it's a bit hippy-dippy or what have you, but you'll, you'll be surprised how many people are... are 
awakening to understanding that it's like I can, I can literally wake up this morning and decide how my day is going to go like there are certain things out of our control but our mindset and the way we perceive things is within our control it's like I, I don't know if that's the wavelength of people that I'm connecting with at the moment for the podcast but more and more people are kind of like yeah man I wake up I do I spend some time for myself as you said I ease into the day and I decide how I how my day is and it doesn't matter what happens you know I can get into a car accident but I decide how I react yeah and how I um, frame that and the narrative around that mm -hmm. that was a great that was a great experience I'm still alive wow how exciting that was what, what happened gratitude gratitude yeah oh, gratitude we we um, so I'm not I'm not religious I don't practice any religion but Bobby is Baha'i Baha'i is a new religion yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I recently started encouraging him more and more to do praying in, in the evenings I've never prayed I remember the first time I prayed in front of him was really really intimate um, and we've got this little prayer book from his mom and it's got all the chants all the prayers guidance assistance yeah. healing um, some songs as well um, and I guess I would say like every second night we pray together and that is such an intimate thing to share um, and uh, I, I really feel like because of our combined efforts a lot of our prayers are being listened to it's insane the power that it has but every uh, uh, every meal or you know we try and say like what are we grateful for and it can be like the most minuscule things like you know I'm, I, I'm grateful that I have money to take the bus to get to work so that I have you know funds to be able to pay the rent and, pay the rent and have yeah. food and have yeah. this home you yeah. know because we live together yeah um, and it's it's crazy that when you when you break down everything it just it shows the wider picture so much better because it's like this is my life but these are all the little components that make it so magnificent and so amazing um, I have no reason to be sad other than when I start to overthink about something that's absolutely ridiculous right because I'm a, I'm a bit of an overthinker I get anxious that way um, but genuinely I have to remind myself is this my immediate situation? Is it what's in front of me? Or is it something way deeper in my psyche that I I'm conjuring up? Right, okay. I have to remind myself that, like, is it my situation right now? Yeah. It's not, it's usually your your immediate reaction that causes the most pain. It's not... Wait, what, do you, what do you mean? Well, for example, uh, I guess the most simplest way to say it is like, am I really sad about this? Or am I conjuring up the feeling of sadness because I want to dwell in it? You know, like, for example, um, Bobby, Bobby might say something that really pisses me off or annoys me and I have one or two things to, that I can do I can really like sit and dwell in it and like almost invoke the same anger that I felt in a past experience because 
that's what I feel like I'm working a lot with my anxiety now like I can and I don't even know how I'm able to do this but I'm able to go back to a moment and feel the pain I did in that moment times 10 I don't know how I do it I know it's really wow. awful um, it's almost so, like a superpower but yeah, yeah, yeah. not and in a, a way a really bad superpower yeah. yeah yeah I can go back to a moment and feel that pain and cry and wail and really get down um, so I've really had to yeah my mind is so powerful it's crazy um, so there's a lot of trauma that I'm still from childhood to now like I'm still trying to go through a lot of that has to come through my insecurities like when I was growing up I was very uh, I don't even know how to explain it I was always seen as a bit of an outsider especially with my parents a little brown kid with two white people you know a lot of questions were always asked like oh is that your child and with my dad at one point my when I grew up my dad and I we looked like because obviously I had a very close relationship with him it almost seemed like my dad and I were like in, in a relationship together because I was always holding his hand I was always showing affection but people would look and stare and be like that's so gross you know what is this old man doing with this young lady and I would have to really like be really vocal and say like dad you know around people because people would often assume the worst things um, and even now like I get a lot of people you know looking at me trying to figure me out kind of thing so I always feel very seen and it also plays a lot with my anxieties like I've had a few encounters in Wellington where I've been followed I've been harassed um, so yeah and I don't know quite where all that stems from but a lot of it has to do with like not feeling like feeling like a bit of an outsider and I I do admit like I feel like it I still feel a little bit displaced even now I haven't really found home I think home for me is more people my mom and my dad are my home my partner is my home but I still don't really feel like I'm, I'm really really home, home. yeah like, like a geographical mm. land-based home what is home I would even say South Africa because all my childhood was spent there but not here not not New Zealand either and it's sad because it is a beautiful country but it is also a very hard country to live in the mentality here is very it's still very individualistic maybe that's because it's my own as an immigrant as I guess a second-class citizen because you can be a permanent resident and still feel like an outsider like immigration that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation I don't even want to get into um, but people who come here and immigrate they are really the ones to be able to tell a story because they not only have to prove their worth to even come into the country but they have to do so much my partner just got his permanent residency he's been living here for 11 years 
you know wow. yeah yeah it's tough it is and it can break families it e we even like I wouldn't say got deported but our visa ran out a few years ago we had to leave the country and come back it's huge life shifts so yeah every day that I'm here I never take it for granted I never take it for granted especially the work that my parents have done to get me here it's crazy Very small nutshell. That is a giant nutshell. That is, that is <laughs>